We are in the sign series. We are on the sign number four today. Um, and uh, the whole reason, and I don't know if I need to go through this again, I think that you all got it, is we, we understand that signs point to something, they identify something, they're, they're there to, to communicate uh, something. And, and the signs in which we're talking about are the signs in which the uh, Apostle John, um, he writes about. And when we say signs, he, the signs in which he writes about, they're the miracles in which Jesus uh, performed. Um, some of the miracles, because we, we know that not all of the miracles in which Jesus performed were written down in this particular gospel, um, but there are many others that have been uh, uh, performed but not written down. But he says, the Apostle John says, that the reason I'm writing these down is so that you may know that Jesus is the Christ or the Messiah, and that by knowing him that you can believe that he is the Son of God, and by believing he is the Son of God that you may have eternal life. So the, the whole purpose of the book of John is to understand that Jesus is the Son of God and that understand that He is the Son of God, that we can have eternal life. That's the whole reason we're here. Not just today, but why the church is here. So we can learn, we can grow, um, and we can uh, then tell other people. I think the, the old um, adage was uh, learn, grow, and go. But uh, too, too often I think what happens is we, we kind of learn and we don't do much growing and then we can't do any going. So, but what we need to do is we need to just press into uh, what it is that God has for us. So, with that, um, before I get started, I guess I got a, a couple of announcements, don't I? One announcement that I, I meant to, to do last week, uh, but um, y'all probably have seen it, some have seen it, some have, have heard it. We are going to Panama on a mission trip. Now, um, all of the details for the, the, the trip to Panama um, are to be, st we're still figuring this out. Um, actually, what's going to happen is Shannon and I are going to Panama in March uh, to meet with the, uh, the missionaries that are down there to set up what it is that we want to do. Uh, and I'm not going to explain a whole lot of it, um, but a lot of cool stuff that God's working that uh, he's been working on down there, and then he stirred up and, and, and kind of impressed on me, and then w with communicating with a, a missionary that we haven't contacted and talked to in a while, um, it, it, it's, uh, it's obvious to, to us that God's working something um, really uh, interesting, and, and um, what we're going to do is it's going to end up being something, uh, uh, we're going to have some kind of partnership or, or do some kind of, um, what, what's a proper word? joint adventure, right? Would that be good? A joint adventure with what it is with one of the ministries in which we do here, um, the, with, with SICAR, which what we do here, we're going to be doing some stuff with, with them down there in, in Panama. So it's kind of exciting. So here, if you're interested, um, see me, see Shelly. Uh, we're trying to get a, a list together, a tentative list for July. Um, it's going to be roughly, and I say about $1,500, because it all depends on um, what the, the plane ticket is at that time, what the hotel cost is. We're kind of doing a, a rough guess. So right around $1,500 um, per person to go. Um, and uh, there, there's really no, I was asked if there's like an age limit. There, there's really no age limit, but I, I don't think that, that, me personally, I wouldn't bring anybody under the age of 16. Uh, honestly, um, to this one, uh, because it, we're going to be doing some a little bit different stuff, um, and uh, and there is no minor. I'll tell you this: no minors allowed to go without their guardian with them. So uh, this is not hey, who fifteen hundred dollars to get rid of them for a week? Here you go. No, you can't do that. Uh, you have to go too. Um, so there'll be more to come on that, uh, and. I don't know. We'll kind of we'll kind of roll with that. We will be doing some fundraiser fundraising opportunities and stuff like that. I think last time we went, which was 2015, it's been a few years, right? 2015 is when we went. Oh yeah, you got your hat on right there, and he's washed. Um, <laughs> but uh, when 2015, we I can't remember exactly what the out of pocket cost was for each person that went, but it wasn't a lot because we did a lot of uh, fundraising. So um, if you want to go, don't let the money be an obstacle. Um, use that as an, a challenge because I know when, before we were able to use that as uh, just breaking the ice with people we, we know that we really want to kind of talk to, but like we, 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 we sometimes feel freakish when it comes to uh, talking about Jesus. 
and I don't understand, I'm not going to go into all that, but anywho, if you say, hey, our church is going on a mission trip, and uh, would you like to support me or whatever, it opens the door for a lot of cool conversations. Um, and so, anywho, a lot more will come on that, and um, yeah, it'll be fun. So, if you've got a Bible, turn to uh, John chapter 6. All right. Was I say, supposed to say something about this Sadie Robinson thing, too? Sadie Robinson live tour. Look at the, the leaflet because they're, um, they're going to that. Um, if uh, you guys know who Sadie Robinson is, she's the, the girl from uh, the Duck Dynasty family or whatever. Uh, so they're doing, she has a thing at Malone, it looks like, right? Malone. So $24 per ticket. Ladies, if you want to go, there's a sign-up sheet or see Shelshi. They need the money, though. It says this Sunday. You're giving them until next Sunday, too? Okay, yabbit? What is a yabbit? Yabbit? What's a yabbit? <laughs> Y'all get the, the, the mild version of her. Th- throughout the week, I got to like lock her up because, <laughs> oh, no, man. She's abusive. She's abusive. So, all right. So, um, John chapter 6. Now, before we jump into John chapter 6, let me ask you a question. If somebody, or I should say, if four different people come up to you at at four varying times and tell you the same story about, or or tell you about something that took place, the same event that took place, would you, uh, would your interest peak at all? About, yeah, it it would, it would be like, hmm, I need to to, kind of maybe look into that. Or if somebody came before different people at four different times came up to you and said, hey, this restaurant was awesome. You should check this out and have the whatever, blah, blah, blah. Well, you would probably think twice now, or maybe like, hmm, I gotta go, I gotta go to that. Well, I, I say that because the, the, the sign in which we're going to look at today, the miracle in which, which Jesus performs here, is, um, uh, is accounted in each of the four Gospels. This is the only miracle that is in all four of the Gospels outside of the, the, the miracle of Jesus raising from the dead, his resurrection. This, this miracle here of changing, or I'm sorry, of feeding uh, the 5,000 is um, in, in each one of the Gospel accounts. Now, why is that significant? Well, each one of the gospel accounts were written at different times over a span of time. But obviously, there's something important uh, about this event that, um, that, that each one of the, the gospel writers uh, thought it was necessary to include in their, uh, in their, their gospel narrative. So, uh, you know, with that, I think it's, it's important as, as, we, um, as we read through this, and what we're going to do, we'll just read through the text, and I've got the, a few attributes I want to throw out at you. But as we read through the text, kind of just, uh, just try to put yourself into a, like maybe a, and I know it's hard because we're in 21st century, but a first century mindset of like, why would this story be told over and over and over and over again by multiple, uh, multiple different people? So kind of put yourself in, in that mindset. So if you're there, let's look at John chapter 6, starting in verse 1. After this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. Now, when it says after this, we don't know exactly um, what, what uh, uh, time this is, exactly how much time has passed since um, the, the last miracle in which he uh, performed. Uh, we, we know, and I think the best guess is right around about six months or so, uh, just because of the, they're going to mention something about the, 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 um, uh, the grass being green and um, also the, the, the feast of the, the Passover is going to be near. So just don't think that um, chronologically, that, that as soon as this, um, the miracle that happened in Jerusalem, now we're, because some of you do think this way, and some of you are like, well, why are you bringing this up? Because there are those of you that are sitting here that think this way. Wait a second, he was just in Jerusalem, and now it says after this, now he's way up here in Galilee, and it's, it's, it's a distance. Like, he didn't hop on a greyhound and make it there in, you know, a day. So, we don't know what, how much time uh, that, that passed between um, the, the, the miracle here uh, and the, the previous miracle in uh, John chapter 5. So, after this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. Same bottle, body of water. It says, and a large crowd was following him. 
because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. Now, I want to ask this question. I want to look at this real quick. It says that, that, that there, were, uh, there was a large crowd following him. It is easy for us to say, well, duh, there's a large, it's Jesus, you know, he's the son of God, and everybody's going to be following after him, because if Jesus was here, everybody would be following after him too, right? Right, everybody, uh, duh, but here, here, here's the deal. Up until this point, they didn't know, this crowd didn't know that he was the son of God. They're following after Jesus, and it says it, and these aren't my words, this is what it says right here. They're following after Jesus because of the signs in which he performed, what's the big deal, Lee? Well, I, I think there's a huge deal because if, if we're going to, if we're going to answer the question, are you a follower of Christ? We would say most, I would hope everybody would say, yes, I'm a follower of Christ. Okay. You still have to ask the question, are you following Jesus because of what he can do? Or are you following Jesus because of who he is? And there's a big difference there. These people were following after Jesus because of what he could do. They were not following after him because he was the son of God or he is the son of God. What's the big deal? Well, the big deal is when, and you can see in the progression, we won't get to it today, but if you keep on reading in this chapter, that when things get tough, people who are following after Jesus for what he can do for them, they end up falling away from following after Jesus because they're more interested in the stuff than the, the one that, that, that gives the stuff. Uh, I think that it, it's, I have it in my notes, that they're, they're, they're more interested in the blessings than the blesser. And I, I think that as we, as we watch and, and we, we look at this, we have to ask you that question. That question, are you following Jesus for what he can do for you? Honestly, answer that question because if we're following Jesus, if you're following Jesus for what he can do, like I said, there's going to come to a point where things are going to get very rough. Things are going to get very tough. If we lived in a country where persecution of Christians happened, those who would come to that point where they're going to say, um, are you a follower of Jesus? And if they're following him just because of what they can do, uh, what he can do for, for, for them, they're going to say, peace out at that point. Because the risk at that point outweighs the reward, right? If that's the mindset. I, I, as I was pulling this through and, 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 and figuring this out, Answering this question, some, some of you will say, well, no, 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 I'm not, that's not me. But be honest, though. Do you have the fix this mentality with God? Well, if God would just fix this, if he would just do that, how about this? If he would just give me this over here, or if he would just give me that, or if he would just bless me here, or if he would bless me over here. And none of those things are bad. Can God fix things? Absolutely. And I 100% agree with what Dan was talking about. Can he change the situation? Yeah, we're going to see this situation here that was, it was huge that he turns on its head. Can he change the situation? Absolutely. But if we're, if we're just seeking after Christ to change our situation, what's going to happen when the situation changes? Are we going to stop following him then? Or what happens when that situation doesn't go the way in which you think it should go? Are you going to lose all hope then? I, I, I say that because I, if, if we're going to follow after Christ, I, I don't want us to be like this crowd. I want us to be like his disciples. And we'll, we'll unpack that a little bit more here. But answer the question, are we following after him because of who he is? Because the Bible is very clear that, that, that he never changes. God's the same yesterday, today, and forever, Right? If we're following after him for who he is, remember what we're doing here with this, this, this sign series. We're reclaiming the majesty of God in our lives. He, he is high and lifted up. He, he is exalted. If I'm, if I'm following after him because of who he is, no matter what happens here, good or bad, that doesn't change why I'm following him. But if we're following him for all of this stuff, when this changes, are we still going to follow him? 
The, the Bible's clear that, that, that those who endure to the end, will, that, that he, he'll, he'll, he'll save those who, who endure to the end. That's not saying that you can lose your salvation. But I think it's, it's perfectly clear what Paul says when he says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Essentially, he's saying the same thing. Are you following him for the right reasons? It says here, and the crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was doing. Jesus went up on a mountain, and there he sat down with his disciples. It was customary when, when Jesus would go and he would teach his disciples that he would sit down to teach them. And now here it says, now the Passover, the Passover, the feast of the Jews was at hand. That doesn't mean it was actually happening right there. It means it was in that season. It was happening soon. Lifting up his eyes then, and seeing that a large crowd was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? Now, some of you are like, well, why did he pick, up, pick out Philip? Why didn't he ask Peter? Why didn't he ask John? Well, we understand that, that Philip was from this area. He would have known where the, the Chuck E. Cheese or the White Castle or... I, don't know, I haven't been like White Castle in ever. It's better off. I, I was remembering last time, they call them sliders for a reason. Oh, you guys, come on, get your mind out of the gutters. All things, to, to those who are pure, all things are pure. Come on. So Jesus said to Philip, where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? He said this to test him. For he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little. So what he's saying, okay, so he, he, he says, okay, Philip, where are we going to get bread? Uh, Philip says, you know what? Um, there's a lot of people here. It says, it says here it's going to say 5,000 men. What we have to understand is, is they're not accounting for women and children here. So there's upwards, rough guess, uh, guesstimates, anywhere from 10 to 20,000, if not 25,000 people here. It, it, it's, it's more than just 5,000, as if 5,000 is not enough. But what, what, what is being said here by, by Philip is he, he says that um, about eight months' worth of wages is not going to be enough for them even to get a little bit. I thought about getting a, a, a Lunchable and just kind of passing it around in here and saying, hey, take what you want and seeing how far it got. But then I figured, yeah, it wouldn't get past Jeremiah and we'd be like, there it is. He's definitely not the boy that's going to share his lunch. Um, but what we need to understand here is, is that, that Jesus asked this question. And when he asked this question, he didn't ask it as if, like, oh, I, what am I going to do? He knew what he was going to do. Was he setting Philip up to, for failure? No. I, I don't believe that. I, I believe that, that, that Jesus was definitely testing him. And, and I believe that we can look at this and we can understand that, that um, as Jesus is testing Philip and, and it, he's testing his faith and it's really for the, Philip's, Philip's uh, 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 benefit, not for Jesus' benefit here. But what we can understand is God tests us from time to time. Now, when I say test, I think there's important um, uh, 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 clarification that needs to be made. God does test us, but the Bible is clear that he doesn't tempt us. He doesn't tempt us with evil, but he tests us so we can see our faith. Now, when we think about that, we're like, well, why does God test us for, for a show of faith? Does he not know that I have faith in him? It's not for his benefit. Most of the time, it's for your own, or how about those around you? There's a story in the Old Testament about Abraham and Isaac. And, and I'm going to make this really condensed version. Uh, Abraham um, had a son um, after a long period of time where him and his wife Sarah couldn't have any children. Well, you know that the, the Ishmael came before, whatever. Read the story for yourself in Genesis. But what we have to understand is, is that um, Abraham was told to take Isaac and sacrifice him. Take him God says, take him to a, a mountain, which I'm going to show you, and when you get there, you're going to sacrifice him. 
Well, to make a, 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 a long story short, what, we, what, what happens is right when, when um, Abraham is getting ready to raise the knife to, to sacrifice his son, God says, stop. And we see this beautiful unfolding of this faith in which Abraham had, that he would take his faith in God to um, a, a, an extent that even if he had to sacrifice his own son to show that. Now, some of you will, will, will say, well, that was because Abraham had to show his faith for God, to prove his faith to God. No, God knew Abraham's faith. God already told Abraham to leave the land in which he lived in and go, and I'll tell you where you're going along the way. I firmly believe that the, the faith in w- which was being displayed there was not, not for Abraham, although it could have helped him a little bit, but the faith that was being displayed there was for his son, Isaac. Sometimes when, when we go through these tests, and I'm going to say trials, because there are trials in which we face in life. They are, they are to strengthen our faith. And maybe, it's, maybe some of you are like, well, my faith is strong, strong enough. I can't handle anymore. Well, maybe it's for those who are the closest to you or those who are around you. Look at uh, James chapter 1 real quick. In James chapter 1, he, he speaks into this. Um, it says in uh, verse 2, uh, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for that you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Jump down to uh, verse 13, because he says that, that there are going to be trials. It's going to test your faith, faith, not face, faith, and there's a reason for that. But don't get all tripped up in this because it's important to understand that these are tests and not temptations. It says in verse 13, let no, one, let no one when he is tempted, or say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. So understand that the Bible is very clear that if, if the, um, the, the test that is happening... If the test that is happening, it does not involve you doing evil, there probably is a good chance that this is, this is something that has to do with, with, with growing in your faith. But if, if, if what it is that you're being, quote unquote, I'm going to use quotes, quote unquote, tested, but it's really temptation to do evil, that's not from God. So when we, when we look at this, we can say that, that, that Jesus tested Philip and it was a, something to um, booster, bolster his, his faith. But we can look at the same thing and, and we can say, well, why does, God, why does God ask this of me if he already knows what he's going to do? Same reason. Sometimes you guys need a, a nice shot. We need a nice shot in the arm of faith acillin. Is that even... Sound faith the I wish it came in. Sometimes a shot would be a whole lot easier to endure than the pain in which we're going through in our life in the situation. I think that, that, that um, as we, we look here, that the situation in which is, it, that we're presented with, it, it can on the surface seem like, eh, maybe this was just so Jesus can flex and show his muscles. But there was way more to it than this. Look at verse 8. It says, one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there's a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? So Andrew here, he says, okay, well, there's this little boy. He's got a Lunchable or a Happy Meal, whatever. He says, but, but what is it? For so many. I, I think it's important that we don't o- overlook the, 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 the importance of the five barley loaves. This is a, a, a poor man's, a poor, a, a poor person's meal here. This is something that, that the poorest of poor would, would, would have carried. This is not something that somebody who had any money or would, 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 uh, had any means would carry. So there's a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, pickled fish. Think sardines. Ugh. But I guess if you're hungry, you're hungry, right? He says, though, but what is this for so many? He's like looking around. Okay, we got this little food, but what what, what are you going to do with this? There's a ton of people here. Jesus responds. Have the people sit down. 
Now there was much grass in the place. So the men sat down, about 5,000 in number. And Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were, who were seated. So also the fish. Don't miss this. As much as they wanted. And when they had eaten their fill, he told his disciples, gather up the leftover fragments that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. When the people saw this sign that he had done, they said, this indeed, this is indeed the prophet who has come into the world. I, I like to, to look at this and, and, and see that um, when, when faced with this, this situation, because whenever we're in a situation, like, like, like Dan was talking about, or situations in life, um, when, when faced with a situation, what did Jesus do? He used what was already there to solve the problem, right? Granted, he, he, made, he took something that was small and made, uh, took, and made a miracle out of it. But he used the resources that were, that were there. He used the people that were already present. As we look at this, we, we can uh, pull a, a few different things from the, this text uh, to keep in line with um, the, the attributes that, that we're, we're, we're looking to uh, draw out of these, these signs. So we can focus on the majesty of God. I got three attributes that I, that I could not decide between the three. Uh, wrestled all week with, with what I was going to do, and about 11 o'clock last night, is like I finally tapped out and said, God, okay, I'm going to do this. Three attributes that, that I see that we can understand um, in this, this story here. The first one is compassion. Jesus re reveals the compassionate nature of God. Well, how, how can you say that? Well, I, I think that, 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 remember we started out, there was, this, is, this story is, is told for different times, and once in each of the Gospels. If we, if we take all of, of the Gospels and we put them all together and we, we get a fuller story here, what we, what we can see is that when Jesus came uh, across the, the, the Sea of Galilee and he came to this place here, it says that, that this great crowd that, that, that followed him, that he looked on this crowd and had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. They were, now, what does that mean? What, what, does, what, does, uh, what, what do sheep without a shepherd look like? Well, that's kind of foreign to us. Because we, we look next door here, there's sheep, and they're all fenced in, and they look perfectly fine. Well, this would have been a, a, a clear um, picture to the, the original audience that they were just, there were sheep, they were just wandering everywhere. They were scattering throughout because they had no one to lead them. They had no one to follow. And I, I love his response. And, and if you take in, uh, um, how about this? So for, for you, you all are like, well, where is that at? Real quick, Matthew, four, you, don't, you don't have to turn there, just write these down. Matthew 14, verses 13 through 21. Mark 6, verse 30 through 44. And Luke 9, Verse 10 through 17. So not, I can get, you can get that question out of your head. Well, where's all this at? Well, what we understand is when Jesus looks at them, he see, says that they're, they're, they, they look like sheep. They were sheep without a shepherd. And his response to that is it says that he healed the sick, but he didn't just heal the sick. It says that he taught them about the kingdom of God. When we see this, we can see that the, the compassion that God has for us is that does he care about the physical? You better believe he cares about our physical needs. But he doesn't just care about the physical needs. He cares about the spiritual needs as well. Because one day all of the physical needs are going to vanish, correct? And then we are going to be left with the spiritual the, the body is made up of, of, of a, and I'm not going to get into the, is it mind or body, soul, and spirit, or is it body, soul, and spirit? Is it dichotomy, track? I don't care about it. Here's what I want to tell you. The body is made up of material and immaterial, okay? We have a physical body. We have physical needs. 
If we focus only on the physical needs, what's going to happen to the spiritual body and the spiritual needs? They're going to, they're going to die, right, absolutely, die, D-E-D, dead, right? They're going to die, they're going to, they're going to wither. Here in the story, we see that the compassion that, that, that Jesus has is not only on taking care of these physical needs, the things that we can see and the things that we can, we can touch and, and, and taste and hear. He's not only focusing on that, he's focusing on the things that we can't see, the things that are going to last forever. The Bible says that the kingdom of God will last forever. Here we, we look at this and we can see, okay, so... His compassion is there. How, how does that transfer over to me? And, and, and I was thinking about this. There's probably not going to be a slide because it was last minute thought. Um, but I was thinking about this as Kurt was talking about um, what we are to do with why God gives us his law and how we can go to him. And, and the thought came to my mind thinking about his compassion, thinking about what it is that, um, why, he, uh, how, why he loves us and how much he loves us. Um, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16 says, Let us then, with confidence, draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Our compassionate God, is, he, he tells us that when we're in that time of need, we can with confidence come to him. If we, if we don't come to him when in those times, why in the world is he sitting on the throne in our lives then, right? It, because I, I think what happens is that then we're just like, we're missing the whole point of what, what, why he is the, the, the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the one who's high and exalted. When, we, when we're, we don't look at who he is for what he is and, and what he's done and, and um, what he's accomplished and, and um, what he has planned, we lose that majesty. And then we, we lose confidence in him. And it's not because he's done anything, it's because we've done it. So I, the reason I say that is that this compassion, no matter how bad things get, we can never lose the truth that God is a compassionate God. He cares. No one in here would, would, would probably stand up right now and say that, well, I don't think God cares. But you thought it. You've been in that situation and, and you've asked the question, well, how can God care if this, 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 and this is happening? I would ask the question, well, okay, where's your focus? What, 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 are, you, what are you focusing on in, in this, this situation? Are you focusing on the things that you think should happen or the things that God's making happen? Or how about this? Are you entering into the throne room, of, uh, into the throne room, to the throne of grace with confidence? Or are you just kind of like, oh, I don't want to bother him, but... How's, how's that looking for us? I got to move on because I'm running out of time here. Compassion. I don't know how much more. I mean, here's the biggest thing with compassion. This is one of the, 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 the attributes. I know I'm an image bearer of God, but I'm, I, I lack the most is compassion. I, I, I strive to do, to do better. But I, I, I need to understand that just because I lack in compassion, it doesn't mean that it is a reflection of him. Because not only is he compassionate, the second, the second attribute is he's generous. God is, is generous. We see here that, that, that Jesus is generous. It says not only did he um, supply their, their need, it says that he gave them as much as they wanted to eat to the point that they were leftovers. He filled them. I mean, like, I don't know how, how much the, a first century person can, can eat, but I've seen a lot of you eat a lot. <laughs> And I mean, it, to put a hurting on it and, and, and understand that, that, that God said, I want to show my generosity. I'm going to let them eat as much as they want and then show them they can't out eat me. They, they can't out give me. I, I'm so generous. Look, there's leftovers there. 
I, I love this thought of generosity. And when I'm thinking of the, the, the thought of generosity, I love what Paul says in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8 about generosity. Because I, I think that, that we can kind of get, uh, get, get lost sometimes. And, well, I'm generous, but, well, yeah, but are you as generous as the example in which Christ left for us or gave us? In, in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, as Paul is talking about uh, the generosity, you can kind of look and see that he's talking about encouraging people, encouraging the, the, this church uh, to give generously. And I'm not getting into all money and everything today, so hold on. Don't, you don't have to hold on to your wallets. What, what I want us to focus in on here is verse 9, it, it, talking about generosity and how our heart should be uh, uh, um, uh, pricked. Our heart should be uh, turned up, stirred. Verse 9, it says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. Now, I mean, a lot of preachers take that and put that into a, a giving and tithing and everything. I, I want to emphasize here that the richness in which Christ had before he came to earth, he was high and lifted. He was exalted. But he stepped off of the throne and stepped into creation. How much more generous can you get? He came to sacrifice himself, himself for the creation that was rebelling against him. I, I think that, that we can see that generosity here. Look, flip over to uh, Matthew chapter 20. It'll come up on the screen if you don't want to flip. Speaking of Jesus' generosity also, um, Matthew chapter 20, verse 28, it says, Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Generosity requires giving. These people who were sitting around who didn't have any food, Jesus supplied above and beyond their needs. Now, I'm not going to say that every time this is going to happen, like you're going to go home and all of a sudden you're, you're going to check your bank account and it's going to be overflowing and you have too much money. If so, hey, I'm going to Panama and we need support. So. Uh, but I'm not saying this is going to happen every time. But, but I, I, I fully believe that, that, that one thing I've been taught through the years is you can't outgive God with your time, with your talent, with your treasure. Oh, I ain't got time to do that. I ain't got time to do that. You can't outgive God, period. He shows over and over and over and over again, not only that, that he is um, faithful to, to sustain, but he shows over and over and over again why we should give to him of ourselves. And that's because he's given everything to us. An oldie but a goodie. John 3.16. Right? If we're going to talk about giving, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. He didn't have to. But out of the, the, this attribute that we see, that the generosity of God, in his generosity, he gave We, and I'm guilty of this sometimes too, and I'm, I'm, I'm working in different areas. We hold so tight on the things that really don't have any eternal value. W whatever it may be, if it's a, um, a, a job or if it's a, um, a, a boat or a tractor or uh, a shotgun or a duck call or Whether. I mean, I, I think pretty much everybody was covered with the whole duck call thing, right? But no matter what, what it is, we hold on so tight to these material things that really at the end of the day, they don't really matter. We don't know how to, to, to open our hands and let go. Now, I'm not saying that everybody, you know, we got to go sell everything. If you really love Jesus, you should just sell everything, give everything to the poor. No, that was a story in which Jesus used of the rich young ruler. And that was for a, a, a certain time there. It's okay to have things. But what we shouldn't do is we shouldn't just hold on so tight to what it is that we have that we're unwilling 
to be used by God and have those things be used by God to do some crazy cool things. Think about it. If the little boy held on to his lunch with two hands, I ain't giving it up. You have to pry it out of my cold, dead fingers. If you wait long enough, you're going to starve to death. So, but if he, if he held on to it, on that material, would we be reading about that today? Think about it. Well, I don't have much. Neither did this little boy. That's the beautiful part about it. God bless you. This little boy, he came up and he said, I ain't got much. But what I do have, it's all yours. Did he know that, that, that Jesus was going to feed everyone? I don't think so. Because the scripture doesn't say that like he had some special inspiration or whatever. But what he did know is he had something like what, what was called the childlike faith. He did know that, you know what? I could use this and I could probably... Five small loaves and two fish. I'm a little boy, so I could probably, it'll fill me. But man, look at look at all these people. How, what are they going to eat? And I've heard of this guy. He's been doing some crazy things. I'm going to, here, take what I've got, use it. I think that that's, that should be us. Like, what are we willing to, to give to God and I went sometimes because that's the reaction a lot of times. Oh, here, God. No, remember, generously. Just, okay, here, God. I, I ain't got much, but here it is. It, how about this? It, it's still to this day, so being here nine years, it still to this day amazes me that I was thinking about this last night when I was trying to mow the grass before it got dark. It amazes me how God has sustained myself and my wife. And, you know, we, we have a house, we have a car, we have food. How he has sustained us through all this time in a, just a, a small church like this out in the middle of the country. It blows my mind sometimes. Like, God, how, how, how does this work? Because I've seen some of the, the, the giving reports and everything, and there are times that the, the, the deacons are like, well, you don't want to know. And I'm like, okay. Do I get antsy sometimes? But yeah, you know what, Shan and I have already, we, we've already come to the, the, this point where we've had that, that, that moment where like, we ain't got much, but we're going to give as much as we can to God, and we're just going to trust him with it. Anybody can drive by our house. We ain't got the biggest house. We ain't got the nicest house, but we got a house, and it's full of love right? <laughs> no, we have everything we need. But it, it comes to the point that I think everybody needs to, to come to, to the moment. And that, that doesn't mean Shannon and I are super spiritual and we've got everything figured out. No, we have, we, we, we've fallen sometimes. We've got that our faith is being tried. It's being tested, but we still have to stand there with open hands saying, okay, God, this is yours. Because at the end of the day, God has provided you and me with everything we have. Nope, I worked hard for it. How do you have breath in your lungs to work? How do you have the ability? How does all of this happen? Because God has given it to you. So, so at the end of the day, what we have to do is, okay, all right, God, I know that I could take this whatever or this whatever or this amount of money or whatever. I could take this and I know what I could do with it. It might even be kind of cool. But I know what you have planned is probably a whole lot cooler than what I've got planned. A whole lot better. Maybe impact a whole lot more than what I can do. But it's having that open hand. It's having the little boy with the lunch saying, okay, Jesus, I don't know how you're going to use this, but here you go. It's, it's, it's yours. And we don't hear anymore about the little boy, but I, I picture the little boy. Like, standing back going... Because he knew what he brought with him fit in his little satchel, right? He probably had a hip, hippie thing, right? The zipper hippie. You know, the, the tourist pouch I get, probably? I don't know. Maybe not. A fanny pack, right? Or maybe he had a purse. I don't know. He had something. But he, he's standing there looking like, oh my goodness. What? What, what, what just happened? I just, that was just my lunchable. Now everybody's fat and happy. 
right? I, I, I think that if, if we were to be honest, we want to be that little boy, right? We want to be able to, to say, oh, oh my goodness, God, this is amazing. But you can't stand back and say that without first saying, here you go. Here you go. I don't know what you're going to do. Now, every time is he going to take that and make something huge? No. But you've heard me say a billion times now, we have to be faithful in the smalls. Trust God for the bigs. I'm going to end with this because the the plane's running out of fuel. The The third attribute, stewardship. Stewardship. Why, why do I say that? Well, it, it, there was a bunch of leftovers. And what happened to the leftovers? They were gathered up. They weren't just left on the ground to rot away. It says they were gathered up and there was 12 baskets full of leftovers. I, I, I love this. And when we're looking at that, that our God is a God that, 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 that believes in stewardship. Taking care of that in which has been given and in which has been received. That's where we need to like say, okay... Am I being a good steward of what God has given me? Or am I just kind of like say, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me? One of the greatest things that, that I believe that we can see in the greatest acts of stewardship is when Jesus is praying in John chapter 17 and he's talking to the Father. And, and, and when he says in, in, in uh, um, what is it, verse 12 there, he says in verse 12, Speaking of his disciple, he says, while I was with them, I kept them in your name. The name of God is, is, is precious. It should be highly exalted. We shouldn't profane it. Whatever. I'm not going to stay there. But it says that while I was with them, with, you, with, with your people, with the ones you've given me. Because he says that, that here that all, in verse uh, 10, all mine are yours and yours are mine. So while I was with them, those in which you've given me, I kept them in your name which you have given me, I have guarded them, guarded them, and not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction, that scripture might be fulfilled. Think, just, just, just let that sink in. Well, I, I don't get it, Lee. God stewards his children so you don't get lost. Well, sometimes I feel like I'm lost. You feel like you're lost because you're the one that's running away instead of running into the throne, the throne room to find mercy and grace in time of need. You, you, you are, you're running the opposite way and saying, I can't believe God's abandoning me. He hasn't abandoned you. You're running from him. Because the scripture is clear that elsewhere it says that no one can, 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 um, uh, or can jump out of or fall out of the hand of God. That we're in the hand of God and none can escape. We're in the hand of God, and God is a compassionate, generous God who is a good steward. He's going to care for us. The Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things, everything will be added to you, the things in which you need. He says, ask for that which you need. And even before you ask, God knows what you need. He still likes to hear you ask. How many parents in here love to hear their kids ask for something? Not over and over and over and over. Can I have ice cream? Can I have ice cream? Can I? No, 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 no. Not, I'm not saying that. But how many, in, in that moment though, how many of you, I, I've done this, when Gabe, because Gabe is so persistent, I love that turd, but he is, he'll ask a question, and then he doesn't get the answer. Go back and ask the same question until he gets, he thinks he's going to get the, the same answer. And I've caught myself, saying no, 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 or yes, yeah, whatever it may be. And I've caught myself like irritated with him. And then I think, how many times have I asked God the same thing and he's given me the same answer? Is, does he get irritated with me? I'm glad he doesn't. The Bible says we should take all things to him. and We should understand that he is a compassionate, generous, good steward of his children. So as we look at this story, I hope you don't ever look at this story uh, the same again. I hope you look at this as a, a, a picture of the attributes of God of wanting to be engaged with his, his children, wanting to be engaged with your life. And like what Dan said even before we started, wanting to change your situation, but doing it with what's already there 
Not only resources, but people. And doing it when we submit and, and release everything to him. Let's pray. Our Father God, uh, we thank you. Uh, Father, I, I ask that um, as we've made our way through this, this, this fourth sign here, that um, we can see that you are a generous God. Not that you, you don't want to hold anything back to us, but you're also not going to bless us when we're holding on to everything. But God, when we release things, you can do some amazing things in our lives. So Father, we, I ask that um, we can release whatever it is we need to release to you. God, I, I pray that there's someone here that doesn't have a relationship with you, that they would release their life to you first. Because you've already proven your worth. You've already proven that you've come to save those that are lost. So God, my, my prayer is that, that, that if someone is here, that, that they have to uh, um, open their hands and just say, I, I, want, I want to give my life to Christ. I want to give everything I have to him. I, w- I want him to, to be the, the Lord of my life. Not just the Savior. Savior, yes, but Lord of my life. And Father, if there are, are those of us who are sitting here that are, are believers in you, that do have a, a faith and a trust in you, that are still holding on to every little thing in our life, my prayer is that we, we, we let go. Not that we, we're, we're, we're irresponsible, because I think that's the, the beautiful part about this story. There's no irresponsibility. You still give us talents and abilities and, and knowledge to do the right thing. Let us not be irresponsible. God, let us understand that we don't have to be in control of everything. Because you are. And Father, through all of this, let us reclaim the majesty so we can with confidence enter into the throne of grace and find mercy and grace in time of need. Lord, we love you, Father. We ask that uh, all of this that we've said and all of this we've done today brings you glory. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.